This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning, it's John Moore. This is The Breakfast Wrap for Thursday, March 23rd. Looks like it's going to continue to be a little rainy today, the high 9 degrees. Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, a federal liberal MP has resigned amid allegations of aiding China. Number two, it's budget day in Ontario. Listen to the rush this afternoon for the details. Number three, Ottawa now under tight security ahead of Joe Biden's visit. Number four, Toronto's mayoralty race is becoming crowded. And number five, don't feed the animals. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Oh boy, do we have a lot of stuff to deal with today. 507, five degrees, raining over most parts of the GTA, if not all. It's been a fairly steady rain through the night, which is actually, you know, a fairly positive development. I'm still waiting for that big storm that you get at some point in the spring where finally all the dirt and the salt and the grime and the grit is washed away. But it's been a steady rain and that's gonna continue for a few hours. But when I say we got news this morning, I mean, we have liberal MP Han Dong, as you heard in the 5 a.m. news, uh, resigning from the liberal caucus amid allegations that not only is has he been in league with China, but if this is true, I mean, this is an, an epic, and I'm not exaggerating, epic moment in Canadian history. The allegation is this. According to Global News, two sources within CSIS insist that Handong met with the Consul General of China in Toronto and advised that China should continue to imprison two Canadians, the two Michaels, because releasing them would benefit the Conservatives. Now, these are allegations, so unproven anywhere. They also, you know, the source, it's been double-sourced, which is the standard in journalism, but, you know, CSIS would not be the first spy agency to have its own agenda versus the government. But like I said, if this is true, um, I mean, it's criminal. It's, it's something that sh- somebody should go to jail for. In other countries, it's something they would hang for. Um, it's interesting because earlier in the week, I was telling you the story about how all these many years later, we, it's almost a deathbed confession, we've learned that Ronald Reagan and his campaign conspired to keep the uh, Iranian hostages, the Americans held in Iran, Uh, to keep them held until the end of the campaign for the benefit of Ronald Reagan. And that is, I cannot imagine what it has to be like to be one of those surviving hostages to find out that you spent extra months uh, being detained in order to suit somebody's political purposes. So at the very least, what we know for sure is Han Dong has... uh, is, is out of the caucus in Ottawa, but that's just sort of political insider stuff. The wider story would be, if this story is true, uh, this is sedition. It is, you know, plotting against two Canadian citizens, keeping them under incredible conditions. If you remember how these guys were detained in China, I mean, it was all a plot anyway. Um, China needed collateral 
in order to try to negotiate the release of a, of a Chinese businesswoman from Canada. And the only reason she was in Canada being held, and she was living in like her two luxury homes in Vancouver, she was being held because the Americans were demanding extradition. So China basically kidnaps and imprisons two Canadian citizens and then says, you know, what do you want to do about this? And so if Handong actually collaborated with the Chinese in order to ensure that these two guys remained not only imprisoned, but reportedly in cells where the, you know, the cells were lit 24 hours a day, they ha had no access to the outdoors or exercise, um, and obviously they were deprived of all of their liberty. So, like I said, if true, um, this is enormous. And certainly, you know what, even if it remains unproven, this could easily be the end. Uh, I mean, we were already looking at the possible end of Justin Trudeau and the liberals. Um, if true, it would be, you know, a Nixonian in, in terms of scandal. Other stuff, and we're going to develop that story through the morning. Uh, we'll talk to our analysts and uh, we'll continue to uh, develop the story for you. Uh, but another big story this morning would be that the Toronto mayoralty race is reaching the point of, I don't know if I could call it farce, but we're going to have so many candidates. It is entirely possible that accidentally somebody is going to be elected the mayor of Toronto. We already have, you know, off the top of my head. I mean, there are fringe candidates, but we've reached the point where we are going to have about a dozen people who are all considered legitimate contenders for the office. So you got the former chief of police. You get Anthony Fury, who cannot be discounted. Um, Anna Bailau. Brad Bradford has not declared, but my uh, inside sources suggest he's about to. Um, I'm forgetting people because they all came through studio. Josh Matlow is probably yelling at the radio right now. What about me? Uh, but Mitzi Hunter has confirmed she's running. And as a matter of fact, she's upping the jeopardy. She is going to resign as an MPP in order to run for mayor of Toronto. That'll make Jerry Agar happy. Yeah, well, you and Jerry were talking about that very thing. And, and uh, you asked, well, will she resign her seat? And in fact, she said she will. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's significant. I always remember when... Um, I'm forgetting his first name, but Dole was running for president and he was a senator. And he announced he was resigning as a senator. And I thought, okay, you know, good on you for basically announcing you're giving up one thing in order to take a chance at something else. I'm not actually convinced that Jerry and I aren't necessarily on the same page when it comes to this because, you know, you're a Toronto city councilor. Maybe you're good at your job. I think you and your staff can probably continue to do that job. Uh, and I just don't think that of, you know, we're probably going to be about three or four city councillors. I don't think they all need to quit in order to run for mayor so that maybe all of them lose and none of them come back as city councillors. Okay, but back to this whole craziness. Because Mitzi Hunter is quitting as an MPP. She's going to run for mayor. Olivia Chow is being recruited because... The leftist brain trust in this town does not believe that they have a proper leftist candidate. So Olivia Chow is being urged to run. And I can tell you this morning, here's the big blockbuster news. Just got the release. Running for mayor of Toronto, Frank D'Angelo, 
Frank D'Angelo, who's a successful businessman who has sunk an awful lot of his earned wealth into vanity projects, including movies and his talk show. He's announced that he's running for mayor of Toronto. And then, never let it be forgotten that today is budget day. And I don't have a lot of wisdom on that because the budget doesn't come down until 4. We got some insider details about what's probably in it. And mostly I'll leave it to the rush to unpack that whole thing. Well, it's time to check in with News Talk 1010's answer to that morning cup of coffee. Good morning, John Moore. Good morning. <laughs> Let's get right into it. The Ford government set to table its 2023 Ontario budget. And among a lot of the topics people are talking about, relief for Toronto and other cities, the TDSBs, struggling families, the list goes on and on. The uh, finance minister, Peter bethlen Falvey, will rise in the House at 4 p.m. Uh, there's considerable mystery about this budget, actually. I mean, in the past, budgets were held under lock and key. Over the past few years, we got to the point where they would leak enough details that we pretty well knew everything that was in it. But this time, they've been fairly tight-lipped. We do know that the, apparently they're getting rid of temporary paid uh, sick days. Uh, there's a huge question mark, as uh, Jennifer McKelvey, the deputy mayor of Toronto, was saying yesterday about whether or not there's any money for Toronto. And then I guess the big question is, how sound are Ontario's finances? We've been through a rough few years. The economy is still pretty rocky. So, you know, what kind of deficits are we looking at? A lot of people looking at that, John. Uh, another interesting development in the twist and turns of this bigger story on Chinese interference, MP Han Dong now resigning from caucus amid new accusations. What we do know for sure is that Han Dong, as you said, has resigned from caucus. What we don't know for sure is whether or not the allegations are true. If they are, I mean, this is uh, actually a moment in history because what the accusation is, is that he met with a consul general from China and he advised that for political reasons, China should continue to hold the two Michaels, who were famously two Canadian citizens who were more or less kidnapped and held for ransom in China. So as I said, if this is true, I mean, this is the sort of thing that people go to jail for and I don't necessarily know how it's ever going to be confirmed but as Joe Biden arrives in Ottawa I would imagine that Justin Trudeau is far more preoccupied with this. Absolutely and you know John I hear you're going to be having a ringside seat to uh, his arrival today. I'm goofily excited, I have to say. I am a sucker for protocol and history, and it's one of the reasons why I got into this business. So, yeah, Joe Biden will arrive in Ottawa today. So will I, because I have a ticket tomorrow as a guest of the leader of the opposition, I might add, uh, to take in that speech. But on the agenda are uh, Haiti, uh, there's the Chinese situation, there's Ukraine, and then I think the thorniest issue, and probably the one where there's going to be some progress, is the Canada-U.S. border, and people who who are crossing into Canada and crossing into the U.S. and whether or not certain agreements might change as pertain to those people and their status. All right, something we're all going to be watching very closely. Uh, switching gears, sports news now. Chicago's NHL team will not be wearing pride-themed jerseys due to security concerns. Yeah, pride is becoming a, a real issue in the United States and elsewhere, and certainly in the NHL. We already had uh, some players who absented themselves from previous nights, and this time Chicago has actually decided to cancel its pride night because they feel that there are security issues, and they also don't want to end up in an issue with two of their players who are Russians. But 
I think the real takeaway here has to be that people thought that a lot of these issues were settled and that something like having a Pride Night was no big deal. And now, owing to security concerns, you have to cancel one. It's a shame. Uh, here at home, though, another shame. Uh, people usually like to feed wildlife, <laughs> especially as the weather gets warmer, but it seems like the city is urging residents against that. The city is advising effective April 1st, you should not, actually you cannot, it will be illegal to feed the animals. This is over concerns, for example, raccoons have become pests and a lot of people like to put kibble out for raccoons, but the wider issue would be foxes and coyotes. And so you can feed songbirds apparently, but everything else is now off the table. And this affects private property as well. It's not just whether or not you can do this in public property, you cannot feed the animals. Well, it's probably going to take some time to get used to. News Talk 1010's John Moore, thank you so much for joining us this morning. That was Eden DeBebe over at uh, CP24. It'd be interesting to see whether or not the city decides to enforce. It actually is a very serious issue. I know that some people think it's a completely benign activity to put a little kibble in a bowl on the back porch and look at the cute little raccoons when they come around. But the raccoons are a pest. They can be vectors of infection. Uh, and the wider issue would definitely be the coyotes. I mean, I will never forget the fact that one of the kind of, um, I don't know that tourists ever went there, but it was an attraction. There was this community of feral cats on the bluffs in Scarborough. And then the coyotes came along and they ate every last one of them. And there's no shortage of people who've had small dogs attacked and sometimes killed by coyotes. So people may think it's harmless and fun and sweet and a means of interacting with nature, but feeding the animals leads to nothing but trouble. So um, it's a busy, busy morning, as I said. And as I was just saying to Eden, yes, I'm off to Ottawa. Uh, unfortunately, my flight got canceled, so I think I'll... I'll, you know, Joe Biden, Joe Biden, Joe Cristiano said, why don't you just drive? And I think, you know what? I probably will because there's no confidence in flying anymore. You just can't be sure you're going to get there. And I have to get to Parliament Hill by 630 tonight in order to score my pass. And if I were not to be able to score that pass, I would regret it forever. I'm being selfish. I just wanted you to go to the Big Apple and grab me a pie on the way back. Oh, the Big Apple. You know, I've never stopped at the Big Apple. You can come to Ottawa if I'm going now. Do you want to come to Ottawa? <laughs> Road trip. Road yeah. trip. And, and you know, it's, it's wonderful to be in a lockdown city. Uh, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to get my car into the city because I like to stay in the precinct. Anyway, listen, it's 525. Let's press the reset button. As I said, I'm almost breathless this morning because there are so many things you need to know today. So we'll get to them. You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. 5.37 on a Thursday morning. Five degrees and it's raining outside. It's been a pretty wet night. I don't, you know, I was consulting the, what is it, the Water Conservation Authority or whatever, but the people who monitor water levels in Toronto and we're not in any dangerous territory, but waters are running just a little higher. It's spring. The big melt is on. The rain is coming down right now, but it's nothing serious. Now, I always love it when they put out a warning. They'll put out these bulletins like stay away from the rivers. I mean, I think we're, we're all in pretty good shape that we're capable of taking a walk 
through the Don Valley without falling into the river. But, you know, I guess you never know. Well, these things, they have these kind of statements because it's happened before. Well, I don't know. Has anybody actually fallen into the river? I mean, we had Hurricane Hazel, but that was like, what, 1956? That was where, you know, the waters just came rushing in. Nobody anticipated it. Houses and buildings were swept away. We actually redrew the map as to where you could build on, uh, I'm trying to remember which river, the Humber River. Um, but yeah, I've seen the Don River run high because I bike down the Don Valley an awful lot. But I've, I don't know of too many circumstances where somebody goes and stands on the edge of the Don River and then ends up falling in. But then again, you know, people do stupid things. Okay, so uh, the big story this morning would be Handong, Liberal MP, Don Valley, uh, out of caucus, doing a press conference yesterday where he said he has done nothing wrong and that he will one day um, acquit himself. But it was, it, this, you know, this is a big deal. The allegations made against me are as false as the ones made against you. To my constituents, I will continue to work on your behalf as your member of parliament. To my staff, I thank you. I know the days ahead will be difficult, but I will be there to support you as we continue to serve the people of Dalmali North. To my family, and in particular, my parents, who brought us here to Canada. To my wife, Sophie, and my kids, I love you. I thank you for all the support and love you give me. The truth will protect us. Our honor and our family will get through this together. Sorry about that. Thank you, Speaker. <laughs> okay, not a press conference, obviously. That was in the House yesterday. So if that happened in the House, then the timing of an interview with our friends at CTV Your Morning with Justin Trudeau is going to be critical. Did it happen before or after this? And did Justin Trudeau know that this was about to transpire? And did he get questioned on it? Uh, that interview broadcast this morning at 7 a.m., uh, but mostly it seems Justin is talking about, yes, the ongoing scandal over possible Chinese interference and the summit that's coming up today. But it, it is fascinating the amount of distraction now that's on the table as Joe Biden pulls into town. Did you know that there was interference in those elections? Not prior to, but during that campaign, did you, were you made aware we, that there was interference? We put together a panel so that that question could be looked at, not by political leaders and parties who were all briefed up before the election and after the elections, and, and it's the experts who get to make that decision. Now, what was known and what was acted on, those are kinds of questions that involve highly sensitive issues of national security, which is where uh, a public inquiry doesn't necessarily get into that, whereas the panel of parliamentarians that we have that have, have got top secret clearance to look into it in our NSI COP uh, committee mm -hmm. is a, from all different parties get to look into that. Yeah, okay. See, I don't know if an inquiry, we had a former head of CSIS on Vashi Capellos' show the other day who said an inquiry would amount to nothing. I don't know if the rapporteur is going to get to the heart of anything either. Uh, Trudeau says that a parliamentary committee could, and that's true because at the very least a parliamentary committee would be composed of members from all parties. 
So maybe that's going to lead to something. I don't know if we're ever going to know for sure what happened. And the problem here would be it's incredibly convenient for Justin Trudeau to continue to languish under this sort of opaque filter of nobody knows. But it's also extraordinarily convenient for people who would like to undo this prime minister and this government to insist that anything that gets leaked anonymously from CSIS must necessarily be true. And I would suspect there's all kinds of overlap between the people who are chortling right now about these anonymous leaks from CSIS and the people who used to in the past say, well, you know, anonymous sources say uh, that uh, Donald Trump did this, that, or the other thing. What are anonymous sources? That's just liars uh, protecting themselves. Um, anonymous sources are essential to journalism because, and, and, you know, Global has done apparently their journalistic duty here because what happens is somebody calls you, sends you a brown envelope, whatever, and says such and such a thing is happening. And your job as a journalist is to evaluate the veracity of this claim, but also to weigh it against whatever possible agenda the leaker may have. Now, you know who the leaker is. Whenever people say anonymous sources, it's not that you got an email from somebody who masked their account. You know who they are and what they do for a living. That's how the investigation into Nixon worked. So you have that source. But in journalism, what you need is a second source to confirm the story. And again, you have to establish whether or not that person is lying or has an agenda or what their relationship might be to the first source. Now, Global claims they have two sources within CSIS who they are protecting by name, but they could identify to their editors if they had to. And they're saying that those people say that Handong met with the consul general here in Toronto. And the, con the consul in, in Toronto is a rat's nest of spies, as many of them are, and many embassies are. I mean, honestly, the Russian embassy in every country has been a rat's nest of spies and operatives ever since you know, the beginning of the Soviet Union. Um, so the allegation is that Handong MP met with the consul general and advised him that China should continue to hold the two Michaels. That is beyond scandalous, if true. All right, um, we're going to do uh, traffic and weather here because the Toronto mayor's race is too delicious to uh, unpack in the few seconds that we have. But the crazy thing is that we have, okay, the last campaign, you had John Tory and everybody knew he was going to be reelected. And then you had Gil Penalosa who, okay, has a lot of civic experience, so let's treat him as if he's a legitimate candidate. But everybody knew he wasn't going to win. And then you had a whole bunch of other people who are fringe candidates, the kind of people who run every time, who I guess have a couple of hundred to spare because they want to run and get 1.2% of the vote. Um, so this race is anybody's to win. And I'm going to have to actually, during a break, make a list of all the candidates who have declared because any one of them could win. Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Okay, so it is budget day. And one of the things we know is that um, the government program for paid sick days, which was brought in, and they always said it was temporary, brought in during COVID, 
is going to come to an end. The NDP is calling for an extension to the program. And certainly, you know, even setting aside COVID, it's just not a good idea that somebody, if they wake up and their kid is sick or if they wake up and they're sick, that they should necessarily have to be in the office. It's, I don't think it's that much of an ask that we give people the liberty not to have to work when sick. And the question I always asked during COVID was, how would you like your chicken to be prepared in a chicken processing plant by somebody who doesn't have a program to stay home when they get sick, so they just come in and continue to work while sick? Um, another aspect to the budget, I think a lot of eyes are gonna be on this. Is there going to be a last-minute surprise and there'll be some money for the city of Toronto? So far, absolutely no signal has been given. And as Doug Ford was pointing out in an appearance yesterday, he said, you know, we've already given Toronto an awful lot of money. It's always a fair request, but we, we've given uh, Toronto hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, no matter if it's Toronto, if it's for their transit. Actually, not hundreds of millions, probably a couple billions billions of dollars uh, to Toronto. We've bailed them out on numerous occasions. Okay, so, you know, Jennifer McKelvey, deputy mayor, said yesterday, it's time for some revenue tools. If th there's a stark choice here, either Toronto has to start canceling services or Toronto needs revenue tools. And canceling services, fine, bring it on. Um, name them. Start and, and let's start with all of the things that were grandfathered from the old cities before amalgamation. Um, leaf collection and uh, windrow clearing. If we have to tighten our belts, let's tighten our belts. I got nothing against it so far as people are agreeable. Uh, I always find it very funny, though, because as soon as you get to a service that one person or another relies on, they'll say, no, not that but I want you to cut my taxes or I want you to cut somebody else's services. Um, so speaking of the city of Toronto, Mitzi Hunter apparently is in the race and she appeared on the rush yesterday afternoon and insisted that she is a consensus builder. I'm a consensus builder. That's something that I am very much known for, is bringing people together. And, and as the former CEO of Civic Action, I'm very used to solving those very tough, complex issues and, uh, and coming to resolution. Obviously, having spent 10 years at the provincial level, a former cabinet minister holding very important files like education, I'm very used to bringing people together around a table um, to, have, uh, to have consensus and solutions that lead to action. Okay, so that's Mitzi Hunter, who's running, not an unworthy candidate. Then we hear that there are there's a huge effort to try to push Olivia Chow into the race. There is this perception in this town, and I'll never really understand it, that, uh, you know, you need a leftist candidate. There's not a lot of left-right at Toronto City Hall. I mean, John Tory, the idea that John Tory was a conservative mayor of Toronto, John Tory was basically like Michael Bloomberg and somewhat stealthily, I think, over the last few years was introducing bike, more bike lanes, uh, reconfiguring the city, making it more pedestrian friendly, um, certainly not really being all that uh, tight on the budget. I know that he always said that he was going to hold tax increases to below the rate of inflation, which is, I guess, admirable, except when you can't pay the bills. 
I find it actually quite fascinating. I don't know if it's going to be a sell. Josh Matlow says we can't afford what we're doing now. So we're going to he's running on a platform of raising your taxes. But bear in mind, in the last budget, which was the very last thing that John Tory did before leaving office, in the last budget, they raised taxes rather significantly. I got to go back and look at my notes. I think it was 5.8%. And the argument was, well, it's still below the rate of inflation. Yes, but that's a pretty, pretty big tax hike. Uh, Josh Matlow says he needs another 2% and a bit and change um, in order to try to balance the books. But it's clear that Toronto has a huge fiscal problem. And so, you know, whoever the next mayor is, is going to have to figure out a way to fix that. And certainly judging by the clip we just heard from Doug Ford, I don't know if that amounts to Doug Ford to Toronto drop dead, but it sounds like he's cutting us off. But okay, so Mitzi Hunter, then we get to Frank D'Angelo. If you're not familiar with Frank D'Angelo, he's an interesting character. I've never met him. Can't really account for, you know, the, the, his character or, or, or whatever. I've just always found him to be a curious figure because he's a very successful businessman who loves, who wants to be a celebrity. So he runs a talk show where he pays his guests and he brings in real heavy hitters. Then he makes movies. And again, I forget, I think, I, I don't remember. I'll have to look them up. Um, but he brought in again, heavy hitters, because if you're going to pay their bills, there's going to, they're going to do your movie no matter what. Um, but his show being Frank, uh, has been a curiosity, let's say, uh, for, for many years. Hi, I'm Frank D'Angelo. I'm on location at Carmen's in Hamilton. And tonight on the being Frank show, we have the great Al Pacino. Al Pacino is in the house. So join me tonight at 1 a.m. on CHCH television to see an exclusive interview with the great iconic actor Al Pacino. And we also have the second place winners for the Cheetah Power Surge commercial challenge. See you tonight. Sorry, Nick Marano, what were the, the Cheetah Power Surge what? Challenge? Challenge, yes. Yeah. So you have the what great Al Pacino that? and then, I don't know, some little soft drink contest. <laughs> okay. Listen, this is anybody's race to win now. And frankly, you know, um, earlier this week, we're interviewing candidates who would be considered, you know, okay, I expected that person to run. That's great. Okay, so welcome to the studio. Let's talk. And then halfway through the show, we find out that Anthony Fury, a former columnist with the Toronto Sun, is running. And I thought, well, bring him in. And he came in and the listeners were impressed, judging by the texts and tweets and other social media and stuff like that. The listeners heard what he had to say and thought, I like the cut of his jib. So let's go back to Frank D'Angelo. It's not the first place winners, it's the second place winners of that contest. Yes. Can you and we back? also have the second place winners for the Cheetah Power Surge commercial challenge. Can you look that one up for me? What is the Cheetah Power Surge contest? But the second place winners. I know. I mean, it's not the amazing race. It's the cheetah power surge. But listen, it's possible he's our next mayor because we have now reached the point where everybody's going to go out and earnestly vote for the candidate of their choice. Any one of whom in the top 10, I would say it could be a very good mayor of Toronto. Um, but we could end up accidentally with somebody else as the mayor. Uh, back, incidentally, to the whole idea of Olivia Chow being recruited. Um, I just, 
you know, there, there are forces in this city who would like to think that they're running it and they go out and find candidates. And I kind of was pushing on this in our discussion with Mark Saunders, and I don't want to assume anything about his campaign, but I get the feeling that was one of these brain trusts that said, we need a candidate. And they said, how about Mark Saunders? And they went to Mark Saunders and they said, we got the money, we got the know-how, we got the pollsters, we got the political strategists, we're going to push you for mayor. And Mark Saunders thought, okay. That's The Breakfast Wrap. Thanks a lot for listening. My name is John Moore. I hope we'll talk again soon. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.